0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Forward Curve. Hello and welcome to The Forward Curve, the weekly podcast covering the commodity markets and the global economy. Brought to you by Gold Street Advisors, the independent research and advisory firm. Today, we continue our look at the commodities supercycle that many are suggesting is just around the corner. I'm Christian Clavidecher, and joining me is our chief analyst, Robin Barr. So, Robin, The stage is yours.
1: Thanks, Christian. So uh, last week, we chatted about the start of a new commodity supercycle. And this was given the ubiquitous talk of an emerging commodity supercycle. And the emphasis um, that we discussed was on demand growth. But what about supply? After all, commodity prices are driven by supply as well as demand. It takes two to tango.
0: So, to speak. No doubt about that, Robin. So, is supply in materials like copper and nickel responding to rising demand?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, what's very important to understand is that we're coming off a decade long commodity bear market, so, an environment of declining prices. And this was marked by declining investment in commodities. As we're already seeing, we're seeing deficits emerge in various industrial commodities like copper, like tin, at a time when governments around the world are stimulating their economies to get out of the pandemic-induced slump. Metal prices prior to the pandemic were significantly below levels required to sustain growth in supply. Some permanent rebalancing in markets may therefore well be underway. Also, mining cost inflation looks to be a reality as all grades are diminishing and mines are getting deeper. Stay in business, capex or capital expenditure can require approximately 20% of margins to be reinvested. All of this points to long-term incentive prices for new mines, so prices required to see a new mine get developed. and and enter production, likes to be higher than existing mines. And higher costs mean higher prices. So to conclude, a supply response is expected, but higher incentive prices are required.
0: Yeah, we should really highlight that point, and it bears repeating. So to be clear, because production costs have significantly increased over the last 10 to 15 years, commodity prices are going to have to get significantly higher than they used to on a percentage basis for mining companies to invest now in increased production. Uh, it's also important to note here, a, a common sentiment we share in the commodity space, that unlike oil, there's no metals tap that one can turn on and off to affect production. That's right. And and, and put simply, it would take some time for new production
1: to rise to meet demand. Exploration, exploration, Development and production are well behind the rise in demand. And because it takes an average of nine years to get a mine up and running once materials have been discovered, output always struggles to keep up with structural increases in demand. And we've seen that it's increasingly difficult to... um, authorize a new mine. For example, in the US, the Pebble mine, which is a a new copper project, that's been refused authorization because of concerns about damage to the environment. So that's just one example. And we can can talk about other examples as well.
0: I'm sure. So let's focus on copper a bit more for a moment.
1: Okay. Copper prices are comfortably above the long-term inducement level Today, and with balances potentially tight in the next year or two, it is possible that they remain so for the interim. A cluster of in development projects in countries like Peru, Chile, Central Africa, and Mongolia are scheduled to come on stream somewhere in the 2022 24 window. But beyond 2025, so that's only four years' time, several projects are yet to be given the go ahead to be financed and developed. It is estimated that all grade decline in global copper production could remove two billion million tonnes per year of mine supply by 2030. So that's around 10 to 15% of current global supply. With resource depletion potentially removing an additional one and a half to two and a quarter million tonnes per annum by this day, depending upon the specifics of the case under consideration. Thus, the price setting of a marginal tonne of copper a decade hence will come from either a lower-grade brownfield expansion in a lower-risk jurisdiction or a higher-grade greenfield project in a higher-risk jurisdiction. Neither source of metal is likely to come cheaply. So if we want the supply because demand uh, needs it, then prices have to go higher because costs are going to
0: go higher uh, in order to dig out the stuff that's needed. Discussions about the possibly imminent commodity supercycle in the press have not been in isolation as they have been part of a larger expectation of a significant rebound in a post-COVID economy. Basis Robbins' comments, one can't help but wonder if we will finally see some meaningful inflation in consumer prices, which would certainly prompt a shift in monetary policy for central banks around the world, prompting a larger shift in the long-prevailing economic paradigm of the last 12 years. It's no exaggeration to say that one of the most important sectors to watch to get a sense of where the global economy is headed is the commodities sector. And to do that, you should continue to listen to this podcast. I thank you, Robin, for joining me today. And I also want to thank you for joining us. Please be sure to subscribe to The Forward Curve on your favorite podcast platform. I'm Christian Clavidecher, And on behalf of the Gold Street Advisors team, I thank you for listening. And remember, always keep an eye and ear on The Forward Curve.